Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore, it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with Peter Holmstrom from the Dandy Warhols and Pete International. Uh, this is an amazing conversation uh, had over Zoom. Uh, Pete was at home in Portland, Oregon, and uh, and got up nice and early to uh, to record the podcast with me. And uh, and as you're about to find out, um, Pete's a really really nice guy, super cool. Uh, and we discuss some great records, uh, and not just his choices, but we talk shoegaze and and when it gets to the last track uh well i I lose my mind because uh he talks about a band that i've been hoping and praying someone was going to mention on this podcast and uh and he does it so i'm not going to say who but uh, you'll find out at the end um before we get on with the episode, just uh, a few thanks. Big thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, also, thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. Um, if you enjoy this and it's your first time listening to uh, Off the Beaten Track, then go and have a look in the archives because there's over 150 episodes now with some of your favourite bands, actors, musicians, comedians, producers. Go and have a look because I'm sure there'll be uh, lots of people on there um, whose stories you'll be interested in listening to. If that's not enough, I also have a Patreon page. You can support this podcast on Patreon. I put up standalone episodes over there. I put up video episodes over there. Um, normally each week I put up sort of four radio shows where I play records and chat and stuff. So there's loads of content um, you can get there over on Patreon. Uh, you can find out about all of this at offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Let's get back to today's episode. Please enjoy Off The Beat and Track Podcast with Peter Holmstrom. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humor in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. 
this off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Okay, we are recording and sitting opposite me via the means of Zoom in, I imagine, I'm going to take a wild guess, Oregon. Um, yeah, uh-huh. Peter Holmstrom. Yeah. Hello. Hey. Um, Portland, are you still there? Yeah, still in Portland. How's it, how is it all there? What's going on lockdown-wise? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm always kind of in lockdown. This is this room is where I spend most of my life, most of my waking life. <clears throat> For people that can't see that, it's a, a very beautiful-looking studio with walls of guitars and, and, yeah. and amps. So uh, it looks like a nice kind of creative hub you've uh, immersed yourself in there. Um, well, what I mean, it, it's quite, it's quite yeah. weird you say that, yeah. Pete, because uh, so many creative people that I've spoken to on here have kind of said that sort of similar, sort of solitary answer that, you know, they're quite solitary people and, and spend most of their time either writing, you know, music, mm-hmm. comedy, you know, scripts. And, that you know, it does yeah. seem like, you know, the creative industry, as much as when you're out on stage, you're there in front of thousands of people, the kind of bones of it is quite a solitary thing. Yeah. Um, I do miss performing uh that there's uh that sort of instant you know connection with like like how you're you know playing for people it's like you know it's a give and take and um uh you get as a musician or performer i guess you get you get very used to that um and when it goes away it it does i mean it's always hard coming back from tour because all of a sudden it's missing yeah and and this is like you know for going this long without having performed mm. you know it's it's kind of crazy yeah it's 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 i mean i i run a live venue as well uh pete and it's you know, we, we've been shut for nearly five months now, and it's uh, yeah. it's crazy, man. It just it filters right the way through the industry, you know, all the way to, mm-hmm. you know, the guys that supply the, the toilets at festivals. Do you know what I mean? It's like all of Absolutely, these industries yeah. are just they're all just fucked, and it's yeah, it's uh, I'm just hoping that you know the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, gets a bit brighter a little bit sooner, and everyone can get back to doing these things safely and. And uh, and yeah, normal service will resume. Fingers crossed, mate. Fingers crossed. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Track one, Pete. <laughs> the song with the greatest ever intro. Um. Okay. I mean, there's so many. <laughs> um. But the the song I've been obsessing on for the last few years. Um. It's it's just like it, as soon as it comes on the the. You know, I just little tingles on my spine. So, uh, Fascination Street by The Cure. Oh. Um, it's just like that. The little, those little sounds in the beginning. I mean, it's just perfect. Yeah. Um, and then you know, it's the same. It's the same baseline all the way through. But it starts with that, and that you know, it's, it takes a while before the singing starts. And it's to me, that's that's kind of the one that I'm. I'm, you know. Uh, that's the one I picked. That's such a um, good shout because that you, you, you're right insofar as that baseline don't change. Why would you change that? Because it, it's perfect, isn't no it? Need to. Yeah, it yeah. just thunders and, throughout. 
Yeah. And that the tone of it is just, it's just captivating. It's like, I, I was really seriously, very seriously trying to uh, replicate that a little bit and like borrowed bases and, you know, just to try and find this kind of magic combination. Um, getting close, still not there though. <laughs> what's, what's Maddie's like, you know, that, that was a, I'm sure that was a single. Um, I don't know if it was the, the lead single from uh, Disintegration. Maybe that was Love Song or, um, or what was the other Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But that's not – because I'm, it, I'm using this as a way to tie into a question uh, for you here, Pete. But I find it really mad that that was a single, yet most records now are pretty much finished by the time that snare roll comes in at the beginning of Fascination Street. You know, it's it's such a – it's all about the intro and then it just builds and builds and builds. So yeah. what I'm going to ask you is, and I, and I ask <laughs> most you know musicians this question when they come on a podcast, is when you first started writing records with, with the Dandies, you know, way back, the way that you approached songwriting then, has that changed in the way that you song, like you, you approach songwriting now? And the reasons... I want to know that is because of the way that people listen to music now and the fact yeah. that radio is a completely different game now and Spotify is here. And, and I, I just want to know how your sort of songwriting has changed over the, your approach to it has changed over the years. Um, well, to st- I mean, to, back then I didn't really write songs. I, I mean, I maybe came up with some chord changes here and Now I, I don't know. Some people would say I still don't write songs, but um, I do c- put complete pieces of music together and then get somebody to sing on them. Um, back then, um, it just was however the chords needed to be, however they came together, like whatever it. I was really always just following them, kind of to to see what needed to be put on top of you know, to keep, to, to create the mood that, you know, was in my head. And I still do that. Um, the dandies, like maybe specifically Courtney, I don't think he does. Um, he is more like sort of fine tuned his idea of songwriting and it does fit more into, um, the sort of modern way people listen to music. Yeah. Um, where, you know, it's, you know, there is no, the intros don't are like almost non-existent. Yeah. You know, I, I love intros and I keep wanting to have longer ones. Um, well, we'll, you know, I'm, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, but I mean, you've, you've, you've chose, you know, a track from disintegration, which, yeah, I, uh, it's certainly my favourite Cure album. I don't know if it is yours, Pete, but I, I think it's just an absolute masterpiece. Yeah, as um, I mean, I it's so it's so hard to pick. I might have favourite songs from different records, yeah. but as a whole record, I think that really works really really well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and my my favourite Cure songs change. Um. I I don't know. It's always hard to pick yeah. what's at the top, but um, 
there's a strange weight to that album. It's like yeah. it's 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 heavy in in a different way to I, I don't know how, what I'm trying to say. But. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's a really weighty sounding album. It's whether it's the production or not. It sounds thick. It sounds. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um, and I, that's it's the it's heavy and beautiful yeah. and dark and you know and those are those are like things that I like strive to achieve with with my my personal records. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, there's there's a, a few of those which you know I, I I think like Vanishing Point and Exterminator and Evil Heat by Primal Scream are all kind of in that category where I'm always like that like some of some of uh, spiritualized um, and Massive Attack also have that aspect yeah and like that's kind of I'm always trying to put get my records close to that level yeah you know that's good company to be in Pete. I, you know, you set, set your goals high. Totally, totally. Yeah. Okay, for track two, I'm going to ask you the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you. Okay, I got I got two for this, or okay. I've, I've got a runner up. All right. Um, the first one, um, and I don't, I don't know the artist because I I forgot to look. Um, but and it may have been from the the uh, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack the just because i know it's that is that same era um but the killing me softly um i can't remember i can't i at one point i did know who sang that but what the what roberta flack the original oh yeah 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 Yeah, thank you yes yes that 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 song that's the first one where i truly remember like like feeling something yeah um and it was, you know, back when, when I was, I don't know, I didn't have like built up, you know, uh, uh, feelings or whatever that, uh, would make me have like some sort of knee jerk reaction to that or like, ew. Um, it was, you know, I think it was, it was pretty true. 
Um, what what do you think that emotion was? Um, I just like the the her voice and the the way she sang it. Just like what she was trying to convey. Like I, I feel like it got through to me. Um, you know whether I knew what it was or not. I mean, I was pretty young. Um, see, I would have been. I don't know, seven. Yeah. So if you hear that now, Eight. does that take you somewhere? Will oh, yeah. Take you back Absolutely. somewhere straight away? Yeah. Uh-huh. To a, to a Portland that was a very, very different place. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, would your, uh, what would your second choice be uh, for this one, Peter? So the second choice was um, – was uh save a prayer by duran duran nice. um yeah um that was you know when i was a, a teenager in high school and and it and that was it was more i i don't know it had it, it was more it fits more with who i am now i suppose um and my musical taste now um it was probably one of the things that helped form like my musical taste now. So, um, well, and it's, and it's like specifically it's Nick Rhodes keyboards on that, which I think is like probably the most genius thing he's ever done. It's like getting that much of emotion out of a, a synth is, is impressive. Am I right in saying, did he produce a dandy's record? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He produced Welcome to the Monkey House. How was that? Um, well, I mean, it was, it was a, that was a very, very weird, frustrating record for us. Um, because there was, um, well, I mean, we've, it started out with us like moving in, like the day we moved into our studio that, or the space that we created our studio was, was 9 11, you know? And it's we woke the, up. It's not really the greatest starting point, <laughs> is it? For... No, it's like we woke up to like that news, and then we all went down there and started doing some demolition because that like definitely helped our, us feel a little bit better. Um, but um, so that's that's kind of where it started, and then there was some weird like we we were trying to do it ourselves. Um, cause we thought we knew how to use pro tools. We didn't, um, we had bought a bunch of equipment. We barely knew how to use. We had, um, borrowed like this amazing rack of, uh, of like forties and fifties, uh, compressors and limiters that, um, that had been used on, uh, just like a ton of like really cool records in Portland. Um, you know, we had all this stuff that we just didn't know our way around at all. Um, <laughs> is, and then is, that, is, like, that, is that punk or is that just being dumb? What one is it? <laughs> it's 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 dumb, but it's also like the arrogance that um, you know the the of being young, I guess, and yeah. and coming off. Well, no, it's like we still didn't like Bohemian, like you hadn't hit yet. So we were we were on a like I like we needed to do like 13 tales was not a successful record at that point. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, cause it was like maybe, maybe October of, um, of 2011 where, or 2001, um, that, the the Vodafone ad happened, yeah, and Parlophone re-released um, Bohemian Like You, and it went to number five like early November. Um, so it wasn't until then that that you know that record started doing anything um, in most of the world. It was already gold in Australia; they caught on earlier. Um, <laughs> but um, oh, uh, anyway. We worked on we worked on Monkey House for about a year, um, and then Nick Rhodes. Uh, I don't I don't even remember how he got involved, um, but he did some keyboards and um, stuff on on the Last High, and then the idea to have him uh, do some. I, actually, it wasn't it was like then Courtney and Brent went over there to to, to England to do some some more tracking with vocals and synths and um, that's when it's sort of like he, Nick had done enough that it actually made sense to um, call him a co-producer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, while we're, um, we, we, sorry, that was a little long and convoluted. No, no, that's exactly, <laughs> no, uh, this podcast is, is, is always at its best when these, you know, the, the, the stories are just that, sorry, the, the tracks are just the kind of anchor points. I like it when it pinballs off everywhere, you know. That's when, uh, you know, the interesting chat starts to unfold. And uh, yeah. um, we, we, we touched on um, cool. school earlier, so I'm just going to ask you now for track three, um, the song that reminds you of your time at school. Um, so the one that pops to mind um, isn't necessarily a track, it's a record because i don't honestly know which what i heard first um but there was a a day in school where um this this friend of mine um she always somehow like had cooler music than the rest of us but she just said listen to this and like put her like headphones on her walkman on my ears and and played me psycho candy (laughs) wow and it was just like i didn't know what it was i did not understand it um but there was something about it that made me want to like go out buy it listen to it you know kind of obsessively to try and figure out what it was um how old would you have been um let's i think i would have uh let's see I was probably about 16, maybe. Um, it had, I mean, it had just come out in the U.S., um, I assume. I mean, I, I honestly don't know. Um, that's a, but sonically, he, that's that's a heavy record to put on someone's ear rolls with a set of headphones for the first time. Yeah, with, with like, I didn't know who the Velvet Underground was at that point. I, you know, I, like... The, the the whole idea of noise being uh, useful in music was not something that I was like could comprehend. Yeah. I've never heard anything like it. Um, so it was it was it was pretty life changing. How uh, how was school, Pete? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. 
So I'm sorry. Cut, cut sorry. Out did, did you enjoy school, Pete? Um, mostly, I guess. I mean, I didn't enjoy the. No, I guess I was fine with it. Um, I didn't do all that well. Um, well enough, I guess. Everybody, all, all, all my report cards says said things about doesn't impl- apply himself. Um, I think I, I think I've got a fair <laughs> few of them too. Um, was you a creative kid? Yeah, yeah. Um, my parents always like um, like sort of encouraged us to draw and and um, just use our imaginations. Uh, I grew up without a television, so um, reading and and the radio were were key you know, listening to, there was always music on. It wasn't necessarily, it's a lot of classical music. Um, and my, my parents listened to like the Beatles and, um, some Pink Floyd and there was, I think a Bob Marley record and a lot of like sixties folk. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and they also like, they weren't very musical themselves, but they always like had us like in, some music lessons of some kind. So, you know, learned a, just a little bit of a lot of things like growing up and, and then, yeah. Did you, did you know what you wanted to do when you was at school? Did you have any idea that music was going to be something you wanted to pursue? I, um, actually I knew I wanted to do music or art. Um, and I thought that you had to be a lot more talented to do or to do music. Um, I didn't understand, um, that that sort of, I I don't, I just didn't understand how it worked. I thought that there was no way that I was ever going to be good enough to be, to do music as, um, I don't think I ever thought of it as a job, but. To, to 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 do it more than you know a high school band kind sure. of thing. Um, so I ended up going to I went to college for for art. Um, Did, and still still dabble in that a little bit, but more more design stuff than truly art. You mentioned you might. Was this one of the questions that you had two answers for? I know before we started chatting, you were saying that. Um, there's uh the, the the school question might be one that there's more than one um for, uh, for school days yeah uh uh i mean there's there's stuff like there's uh there's a i suppose a few um a few other records that would that come to mind um i mean it's like for when I was in college was the first time I heard my bloody Valentine that sort of falls into that. Um, cause it's another like record that, that just changed my like, thoughts of how, what, what music was supposed to be or could be. Yeah. Um, uh, and then I suppose a little earlier than, uh, the Mary chain, for some th- some reason, that first Frankie goes to Hollywood record, like that, sort of kicked me out of my heavy metal period, yeah. and was just like, "Oh, this is cool. What is this?" You've you've chose so many records that 
sonically were pioneering there, whether that be Trevor Horn's work on Frankie, yeah. you know, and then you look at, you know, Loveless and things like that. I mean, fucking hell. They're, they're all really, really heavy fucking records, you know, but all different ways of doing it. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's great. Yeah. Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. Well, I guess this this applies to you being um, a a, a young guy as well. Um, For track four, uh, Peter, what was the first song you remember buying from a record store? Um, okay, this is one I want to have. To, I want to have two picks for too. Okay, that's cool. Because <laughs> um, the first the first record that I did actually buy from a record store was like a Best of the Beach Boys compilation, um, and it was it wasn't necessarily my own tastes. Um, I was taking some guitar lessons from a uh, some I don't know some guy down in in the neighborhood um with a bunch of other of my friends and it was his taste like he wanted to teach us how to play beach boys songs so that's why i bought the beach boys record so i don't i mean technically first record that i bought but okay with my own tastes um um god i kind of i got them almost at the same time so i don't remember which was first but I bought Back in Black and I think a Blondie record at the same time. Um, and I don't know which Blondie record it wasn't. I think it was like a later one. Like maybe it was The Hunter or something. It was okay. Yeah. Not, not, not a great, great one for, for what they're known for. Yeah. Um, but some I remember somebody had told me about Blondie, and so I I didn't, I didn't know the song, or I was probably looking for a song, and I just didn't know what it was called, and was just picked a record. I um, think I think there was lots of young guys that picked up a record that had Debbie Harry on the cover and just went and bought it, you know. For that, yeah, moment, you know, there wasn't, you know, I've I've spoke about Debbie Harry a few times on this podcast, and you know, aside from just being, you know, beautiful. She was so fucking cool. Like she just Unbelievably cool. So cool. Yeah. Like and, and still is super fucking cool. Like um so things like the Beach Boys and things like Blondie, as as you grew older and your tastes, you know, become more defined, did you then go back and re explore like Blondie and, 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 you know, from the, I imagine the best of the beach boys is going to be full of, you know, surfing USA and I get around and things like that. Did you then go back and have the, the pet sands, you know, moment and. You know, I not, not so much with the beach boys. Um, I, there was something, I mean, I, I, I get it. I understand why people 
um, you know, obsess on, on pet sounds and, you know, but that was never really my thing. Um, not after I found, you know, Mary chain. And I mean, even though, you know, they cover surfing USA. Um, uh, but it was, I've always needed a little bit of darkness, uh, in, in the music that I truly, So, yeah, Did that- it was, they always felt a little too, too, too light yeah. for me. So you, you mentioned like, um, Valentine's and that, so, like, so kind of around the time of that was the other kind of British shoegaze scene. Was, was that making a dent where you was, you know, were bands like ride and, <laughs> and chapter house and, you know, all of the, and slow dive. Were they, were they making waves where you was? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, that was when I was in college in, in New York and, um, and, um, I've, yeah, I, that was, that's what I was, I was totally into that, that whole thing. Um, uh, I had, you know, early charlatans stuff pretty much from the, the day I first heard it. Um, same with, uh, Stone Roses actually took a bit, um, but I did, did, did find that, um, and ride was later too. Um, <laughs> slow dive is kind of funny. Cause I was in, I was in the tower records in New York on Broadway and in the, like, uh, oh, uh, just like go, I think going through singles or something, CD singles, like looking for whatever the newest charlatans thing or some my believe valentine thing that i didn't have i don't know um and the girl that worked there like came up to me and like um like tapped me on the shoulder or whatever because she thought that i was in slow dive because i had the like the bowl haircut and was apparently wearing something similar um i guess to neil i'm not i'm not sure um who she thought i was (laughs) But because of that, I ended up buying the first Slow Dive record, brilliant, and and loved it, um, and have like bought everything since, and didn't get to see them until just a few years ago. But um, it was it was great. Do you know, what it was really you, cool. It, it, I didn't ever get to see them until a, a couple of years ago. I, I, I bizarrely, I saw them supporting the Cure uh, with Ride as well. So it was, it was great. It was just, it, made, yeah. it, was, it was a day of just feeling young again. I just went there and it was pure nostalgia. It was beautiful. Um, so I, I guess you, you mentioned moving to, to, to go to a university at New York or college at New York. Yeah. Um, so for track five, uh, I imagine it was probably around then you, you got your kind of first taste of um, clubbing, I imagine. So for track five, Peter, the song that soundtracked your years clubbing, um, so actually I'm, I, high school is when I started going out to clubs. Okay. I, I used, I used to sneak out my, my window and a friend would come pick me up and, um, we, we'd go to this local, like, you know, underage dance club. Um, so the first time I was there, um, at this, this dance club, uh, I heard, um, every day is Halloween by ministry yeah and i i didn't know what it was um so i kept asking people like what what is this track what is this what is this 
And somebody told me it was Love and Rockets. Um, so like the, the next chance I got, I went, you know, went and bought everything I could find by Love and Rockets, which was their first record and a couple singles. And I think, I think Ball of Confusion had just come out. Yeah. Um, so that's the song. It was like Ball of Confusion by Love and Rockets is like that, that kind of, it started, uh, started a whole like, you know, I don't know, tangent of, of, you know, from Love and Rockets, Tones on Tail, Bauhaus, um, uh, I don't know jazz butcher because Dave J played with with the jazz butcher, uh, you know, um, Dallas Carr, all sorts of stuff. Like it just it really sent me out all over the place musically. That, um, that's some crazy music being played in them clubs. You know, I thought you was going to say, oh, you know, it's Madonna and Prince, and it was like, oh God, no, I, I mean, ministry I, man, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I I got I got lucky. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> totally. And the funny thing is, is I I it took me years to figure out who that song was by. Yeah, like I I kind of forgot about it, um, and then you know, and yeah, and, and so as as the Danny Warhols, you, you know, uh, then you know their, their trajectory into you know. Uh, big you know global commercial success like how was you know was was there lots of kind of clubbing then sort of at later on or was it just kind of after show parties and things or you know was there was there clubbing and partying and dancing then um a, a little bit not so much just like after show parties really um um, in the beginning, our, the, when we first started out, our, um, our original drummer was also like a, a DJ, like he did, he DJed at local raves and stuff. So we were actually, you know, going to, uh, going to a bunch of that, um, sort of things, like some of these weird ones that were up in the woods where people just camped and, and, um, I, you know, totally illegal like the kind of the best kind yeah. and then a lot of like the ones that were just in in clubs in town um but yeah we were a little bit tied into that that scene just because of our our drummer yeah. um but i don't know it was it was just an excuse to take drugs and dance it wasn't necessarily that we really liked the music or anything yeah. and i don't i i know that some of that vibe like carried into our first record a little bit but yeah yeah. Okay. For track six. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking then my brain just went straight back to when you was talking about uh, Exterminator and stuff and just the thought of Bobby Gillespie stumbling in these raves and hearing Andy Weatherall and then just thinking, right, yeah. okay, maybe we should have a little less guitar and see what we can come up with. And, and obviously fast forward a year, there's Screamadelica that just completely fucking changed everything. Yeah. You know? Um Favorite song from an artist from your home county, Pete? Yeah, I, that's kind of a, a broad. <laughs> it's a big country. County. 
Oh, county. Yeah. Oh, you mean like local, like yeah. right here? Oh, I've got, I read that wrong. Yeah. You want um, me to first, mate? There's about 30 people have all done that as well. So don't worry. You're not alone. I, I, I should be wearing my glasses. Um, I never do. Um, okay. Uh, well, that kind of ties in with the, this question number seven, too. Um, um, there is a, a singer who I I work with um, on my my on oh, with Pete International Airport um, uh, named Jason Adams, um, and he's I met him way back um, when he had a band called The Upside Down. Um, and then he's had, or no, God, no, his first name was The Bella Low, sorry. Then it was The Upside Down. Then it was Daydream Machine. Then it was Mother Mariposa. Now he's doing his own record. But he's he's the, um, I don't know, he's just a great human being and um, always coming up with cool music and always like surrounding himself with a, a an eclectic, bunch of musicians um and it's he's really really cool um yeah so so favorite song yeah Uh, because i'll put um, together a a spotify playlist to accompany this pete so uh i'll uh, all right put a few of his tunes on now (laughs) am i right in saying that the upside down had had some commercial success didn't they i'm sure i'm sure they did they um uh they actually they were um we put out a record of theirs on our label when we tried to do that um and uh they got a lot of like like advertisement and film um and tv um, stuff on that record um yeah that definitely um Okay, I'm gonna have to look up uh, the uh, to, to figure out what song though, because <laughs> this one, yeah, it threw me a little bit. Because I was gonna say the Brian Jonestown Massacre. Okay, well, let's talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you, have you been working with members of the the, the band of um, Brian Jonestown? Um, I've worked with. Uh, Col- years um and two records i think yeah um and then anton put out my last record last pete international record so um yeah working with them so do do you still do you still get lots of people where i've got to reference it because i i i I done a um uh, a, 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 a a kind of like audio or i guess a video podcast um of of the top five music documentaries ever made and uh, yeah and i put dig at number one because i i honestly think it's and and it's i'm not alone like there's so many people regard that as one of the greatest music docs of all time and you know does is that something that gets you know mentioned to you that often all the time yeah um It'd be great if it was a little bit more of an actual documentary. What do you mean by that? It's uh, the filmmaker used the footage that she shot. Most of it, I assume, is like, you know, 
actually, you know, filmed as it happened. I know a lot of stuff that we did for her was when she was hanging out with us was, you know, she'd, she'd hear something and then she'd go, Oh, wait, 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 say that again. You know, and right. grab the camera and point at us. So there was a lot of like sort of recreating. And then there's actual recreating, um, like the, the shots of us recording for, uh, 13 tales, I think is she wasn't there. She came up later and then we sort of pretended to, you know, so she got some footage. Um, but she used all that to tell a story that wasn't actually like, there was no competition between the bands. Yeah. There was no real rivalry more than, you know, some flippant comments, um, which she used to great effect. Um, and, you know, or, and I mean, there definitely wasn't on our side. I mean, it's like we were just busy doing our best, try to do do what we did, you know. So it was it's I don't know. I can't watch it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've, I've seen it a, a couple times in, in various different forms, um, but I, I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. And I know Anton's definitely the same way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, because he he, I mean, both I think both him and Courtney kind of came out badly um, for different for very different reasons, and you know, I know I know that both of them have suffered like because of questions and and people's reactions to the film. Really? Um, well, Anton for years had people just showing up at his shows trying to get him to freak out. Yeah, and so he like there was years of like shows dissolving into like chaos and being unable to play the songs. Um, and luckily that's gone away and, you know, then he was able to play music and, and it did eventually do good for him. Um, or more, more good than harm, I think, because it brought him to the attention of the world. And I mean, it did like we got like crazy negative reviews about our record that came out right after that, where they didn't talk about the record. They just talked about what they thought or who they thought Courtney was or, you know, or what the, what they thought that the band had sold out or whatever, you know, it's just some, a bunch of bullshit. Um, is, as you said, like, you know, in, in time, that's just the review that disappears and the music stands there still. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that'll always stand alone and, and be testament to, you know, to your work. Yeah. So, but it's, it's funny that there's still people that, that, that feel like they have to choose one band or the other. <laughs> and sure. People are going to like one band or the other. That's fine. But to think that like we've had, we played the, the sort of funniest, weirdest one was we played, um, a uh, little psych festival in Paris a few years ago. And while we were playing, somebody, some kids thought that like they hung a sign off the balcony saying, we like Jonestown better or whatever. And it's like, great. Why do you think you need to show us that? It's that, like, is that's just fucking dumb, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, Whatever. I'm, I'm sure people don't go to blur gigs now. It, and, it is, you know. and it's like 
you know, start shouting about, uh, you know, we love Liam Gallagher, not you. It's like, you know, it's it's just it's just cheap press, isn't it? And it's, you know, it's just go for the music. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for track seven, I'm going to ask you to tell uh, me a song that many may not know uh, that you want them to hear. And I know that you've mentioned... Um, uh, uh, your, your friend from the Upside Down um, yeah. on, on track six. Is there another song that you think some uh, some of my listeners um, may not know that you'd like to sort of point them in the direction of? Well, I mean, I was going to say a specific track from, from the band that he's doing currently, um, which is Mother Mariposa. Um, and the, the track was Changing Shape. Um, I mean, it could be anyone off the record. I think it's a really, really cool record. Cool. Um, but that was the specific one. Um, the other one that worked that I, I always tell people about here, though it's probably not as big of a deal where you are, um, is um, Six by Seven. Oh, uh, oh but the band. Yeah, man. Yeah. No and one talks about that band, right? So close by six by sevens. My favorite ever intro. Yeah, oh, just yeah. that piano, that <laughs> dong 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 dong, and yeah. then ah, oh, anyone that sings the lyric, I'm so close to being more than I've ever been. Pete, you've just lit a fucking fire in me here. Six by seven <laughs> are a fucking incredible, man. Not in a band. They're fucking yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm. We, we toured with them. Um, back when we were touring on Come Down, um, and Chris and I, Chris and I have like kept in touch. We have a, a little project that we do together. But um, it's funny; it's like nobody really heard them over here, and they're those they're so good. Um, and I, the, I guess the track that I, I, if I was to, I mean, it's, it's hard to pick one. Um, but um, what is it? Uh, it was a single that came out. It was um, uh, Candlelight. No, no, it was later. Uh, it was like in- England and a Broken Radio, or um, and then ten was it ten places to die or yeah. something. Uh, either one of those tracks um, is it's it's a different different thing, um, but it's super cool. Just like. Yeah. Yeah, they're such a cool band, Pete, and and I, again, I, I can see the the connection from the Cure to you know <laughs> all the way through. You know, it's fucking yeah. heavy, intense music, and he's just got such a kind of non-heavy voice as well. He's just got a really sort of smooth, cool voice that just flows over it. And yeah, oh, that, oh, that fucking band blow my mind. They blow my fucking mind. And it's like, I'm so glad someone's mentioned that band on this podcast because no one has to date. <laughs> cool. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad that I've screwed up the um, question six. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Because <laughs> um, well, yeah, I, I mean, I just, I mean, that like, I wouldn't have I've said them normally because I just, I mean, I know they had more success in the UK, not as much as they deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that, and I know that you know a fair amount of people do know of them. Yeah. So um, more people yeah. should though. That's that's the that's absolutely the, yeah. That question's never been answered any better than right there, Pete. <laughs> so as we find ourselves coming out of lockdown in some way, shape, or form, um, 
what's happening um, for for Pete International and what's happening uh, for Dandies? What's what 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 you got coming up next year? I'm saying next year because I'm presuming next year is when things maybe start to kick back in. Again. Yeah. So the Dandies have been working on a record. I mean, we had started a little bit before lockdown, um, so it was it just it kind of kept going. It kind of maybe 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 speeded it up a little bit. I mean, we're still still a ways off. Um, we're we're making a rock record, like, um, which isn't necessarily the rock that I would prefer, but it'll be a Dandies twist on it, and we'll we'll see what comes out in the end. Um, but it's, um, it's been fun. I've been breaking out all the fuzz pedals and seeing, like writing riff. Stuff like that. And that's, that's a new, a little bit of new approach for me. Um, I generally write riffs. Um, it's fun. Um, and we're also... Um, it, it's still pretty early days, but we've got, uh, cause nothing's close to being done. No song is close to being done, but there's probably about eight songs at this point. Um, so we just need a few more, um, a few more of the ideas to coalesce into a song. Um, cause there's tons of ideas. Um, so there's that, uh, we've just, uh, we're we're starting a whole little program of releasing little snippets of ideas and and little things that we create. Um, I think we we just put out a video today actually um, for one of the tracks of off the sort of ambient record that we released earlier this year. Um, and there'll just be a continuation of of little things put out there. Um, uh for Pete International, um I'm getting close to being finished with the record. Um there's I'm waiting on I I'm waiting on lyrics on two or singers to finish lyrics on two that are definitely on the record. And then there's two more spaces that I, cause, cause I have to have 11 songs. Um, then, so there's two more tracks that like, there's, I have a lot of music, but I don't know who's singing on, on them yet. So I'm still, still kind of figuring that out, okay. but sometimes that goes quick. Sometimes it takes forever. Um, and, so, and then I'll have, to, I'll have to mix. So that, that record will definitely be out next year. And so if people want to kind of, keep up to speed on, on what's happening. Where's a good place to, uh, to follow what you're up to, Pete? Um, following me on, on Twitter and Instagram and, uh, uh, Facebook is the best. I'm not great at it. I'm, I don't post the way I should. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I just forget about it. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, well, if it's, if it's cool with you, when I put this out, um, if I tag you in it, then then uh, people can go and, uh, and and explore your music and stuff. If they yeah, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Pete, thanks so much for uh, for, for getting up and, and and doing this. It's uh, it's really kind of you, and I've really enjoyed chatting tunes with yeah. you. I I love the the list of songs. That's it made me like you know think about like a bunch of stuff that I'd never or 
or how I, you know, essentially how I ended up to where I am now. Like, oh, that's great. Yeah, it's cool. Wicked. Um, yeah. Hey, thanks so much, mate. Absolutely. Thank you. There you have it. Six by seven. Officially, Pete's now my new best friend. Uh, it was a long time coming. Someone was going to mention that band and it happened and it's made my night. Um, thanks loads for listening. Uh, massive thanks to Pete uh, for giving up his time and getting up early um, in uh, in Portland to uh, record this. Um, yeah, go and uh, follow uh, Pete's stuff. Go and follow Pete in the National and then obviously keep your eyes peeled for the new Dandies record when that drops. Um, I've, I'll tag Pete in... Um, the, the post on the socials for this so give him a follow and uh, and yeah drop him a message let him know what you thought of his song choices and uh, and yeah and thanks ever so much for listening like I say um, you can support the podcast um, on Patreon as well and get access to uh, probably another hundred or so episodes over there and uh, and loads of other bits and pieces that you don't get on your weekly um, normal release uh, find out about everything and merch and anything else you need to know about this podcast at off the beat and track podcast.com see you next time bye bye i've got an announcement save our souls clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk why am i telling you this because they're our official sponsor yeah that's right go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale you're going to love it so they've decided they want to be our sponsor which is amazing and what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing so here's a little bit of blurb so they've only been going a year and they're based in South End on Sea just up the road from me they put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music and they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot all of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code Beat 15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk. Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track Podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hey,